Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're having our second podcast on how to gain your victory, the same way that David gained his victory over Goliath. And today we're going to see several things uh, through the story of David and Goliath, but one in particular is that your reward always follows your victory. When you get a victory in life, you are always going to receive a reward, and it's going to be something that you want, it's something that you like, it's something that you you desire, and so that victory is going to open or unlock a reward for you, and I can't wait for you to listen in today, so listen and be blessed. I'll tell you what, victory isn't something to just be talking about, victory is something to experience. God wants you and me to experience victory in our lives. I don't, I tell you what, I get tired of talking about what's in the Bible. I want to feel what's in the Bible. I want to live what's in the Bible. I want to have what's in the Bible. And I believe that's all of us. Anything short of that is not a victorious life. God wants us to live a victorious life. If you trip and fall, what should you do? Get back up again, right? Victory is knowing to be able to get back up again when you fall. It's not that you don't fall because we all, the Bible says we all sin. We all sin. But God's victory picks us back up again. And little by little, you can begin to stand and stay standing. But don't give up just because you might stub your toe a little bit. But we're going to be looking again, uh, continue to look at David and Goliath, all right? I'll tell you what, if there's a story in the Bible that most anybody probably knows or at least has heard of, it's a story of David and Goliath. And we started on it last week, and we look at it to see how you and I can be victorious just like David was victorious over Goliath. You can be victorious. Stop living like you think, I'm going to be defeated the rest of my life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants you to be victorious, and he gives you everything that you need to be victorious. So in summary, last week, we found that the Philistines had lined up on one hill. The Israelites were on the other hill. And for 40 days, uh, Goliath, this mammoth man that we think was approximately nine foot, uh, nine inches, huge, huge man would come out every morning and every evening and defy Israel. And he played by his own rules. He said, hey, send me out something, somebody, not something. Send me out somebody. And if I defeat defeat your guy, then you guys will become our servants. If you defeat me, then we'll become. He He made his own rules up. All right, we learned about that. We also learned that Goliath had a name. And your enemy has a name. And he would do nothing. He would be happy forever if he could keep his name from you. But when you start learning that your enemy is doubt, or your enemy is fear, or your enemy is loneliness, or your enemy is this, that, or the other, and you start giving your enemy a name, he starts the process of being defeated in front of you. You need to identify. You need to identify your enemy's name. And so um, David, we find, here's Goliath, nine foot nine. On average, uh, the, the, the average Hebrew was about five and a half feet tall. David was probably shorter because he was in his teens. He was a little guy. He was a small person. But we found out yesterday that God had endorsed the small person. 
he had picked the small person. He said, I'm going to endorse you to win this battle. I'm going to pick you. I'm going to choose you to win this battle. And it doesn't matter if you're small. It doesn't matter if you're insignificant. It doesn't matter if you're the eighth child and the youngest one. It doesn't matter that you're just a shepherd. I have picked you. And God is looking at you and saying, I'm picking you. And you say, me? I've failed too many times. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough talents. I'm not gifted enough. And God's saying, I don't care. I'm still picking you. And, and we see that we need to stop trying to believe in ourselves and start believing in God. All right? The world's always telling you, you got to believe in yourself more. No, no, no. No, we don't. We need to believe in our God. Praise God. And the last thing that we saw as we kind of just arbitrarily ended the story uh, or last, last week's message in this part of the story is that David submitted to his father's authority. His father told him, hey, go take all these supplies to your brothers. And you know what David did? He did what he was told to do. And if we want to be victorious in life, we need to start doing what God tells us to do. Don't ask any questions. Don't argue. Don't complain. Just do what God tells you to do. So we're going to pick up here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. And we see early in the morning, David did exactly what his dad told him to do. He left the flock in the care of another shepherd. He loaded up and set out. I love these words. He loaded up and set out. When God tells you to do something, load up and set out. Don't wait around. Be like Abraham. God told Abraham, hey, pick up and go to a place that I'll tell you to go. He didn't even know where he was going, as far as I can tell. And yet he loaded up and set out, just as David did here, as we see. As Jesse, his father, had directed He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. (laughs) Here's all these Israelites. They've got up in the morning. They're going back out to the battle lines. They know they're going to hear Goliath again, and they're shouting the war cry. Now, do you believe that those Israelites, those, those warriors, were doing it with bravery, or do you think they were terrified inside? Well, if we read this whole story, we've come to realize they were terrified inside. And I want to tell you something. Uh, there's, There's a false bit of information out there. You can't fake it until you make it. There's no such a thing. You cannot fake it until you make it. And you certainly can't do that as a Christian. All right? You either are brave or you aren't brave. You either are courageous or you aren't courageous. You're either full of faith or you're empty of faith, but you cannot fake it until you make it. God wants you to reach out in your fear, in your timidity, in your, uh, in your worries, reach out to him and say, God, make me brave. Make me courageous, because I can't do it on my own. I've tried. I, I decide, yeah, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to fake it. And, and I always end up failing when I'm trying to make myself something that I'm not. So just in your, in your broken state, <laughs> in your weakened state, just go to God and say, God, give me more of what I need. If you're missing joy, say, God, I can't pretend to be happy. <laughs> Lord, bring some joy down into my heart. I can't pretend pretend to be at peace. I don't feel any peace at all right now. God, would you send me some of your peace? And God will do it. He is our source. 
We can't drum these things up in, in and of ourselves. Verse 21, again in 1 Samuel 17, let's keep reading here. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left, left his things with the keeper of the supplies. And look at what David did. He ran to the battle lines. He ran to the battle lines. Now, as we'll see here in just a second, the Israelites fled from the battle lines, but David ran to the battle lines. There was something definitely different about David. It wasn't his size. We've established that. It wasn't his age. We've established that as well. It wasn't his talent. It wasn't his training. There was something different about David, and there's something different about you as well. There's something different about it, you as well. And we're going to get to that in just a second. So he runs to the battle lines. He asks his brothers how they were. And he was, as he was talking to them, here comes Goliath. David has seen Goliath for the first time. And the, here's the Philistine champion of Gath. He steps out from his lines, the lines of warriors that were there. And he shouts his usual defiance. And David heard it. But you know what? David heard it different from all the rest of the Israelite uh, troops there because whenever the Israelites saw the man, see, they'd been hearing this for 40 days, twice a day they'd been hearing this. It says whenever they saw him, they all fled in great fear. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I've got to believe this probably happened David's on the lines. This is the first time he's run to the battle lines. He sees Goliath. He hears Goliath. And everybody else melts around. But there's David just standing there looking at Goliath. I, I realize I'm, I'm taking a little uh, creativity here and uh, applying it. But he just stands there and he just sees this Goliath while everybody melts away. I'll tell you what. You and I, we have both of those inside of us. We have the terrified side of us, but every Christian has a little bit of David in them. Every Christian has a little bit of David in him or her. And it's time for us to begin to have that David stand up while the fleshly part of us, the fearful, timid, terrified part of us shrinks back there's part of us that needs to stand tall and strong in confidence in God, in faith in God, and saying, you know what? I'm not going to keep running in fear every time something happens. Because what we see here is uh, we all have triggers. <laughs> we all have these triggers that trigger us, and we run in fear. Those triggers could be a word that we hear. I'll never forget Somebody a long time ago was coming to church, and I used the term, um, oh, I can't remember, the, the term es escapes me. But I used a certain word. I wish I could remember what it was. I used a certain word, and it triggered this person. It triggered this person. And after church, they came up to me and said, that word just does something. Every time I hear that word, it does something to me. And it turned out this person had, had a horrible upbringing, and an abusive uh, step-parent had used that word over and over again, and it triggered that person every time they heard that word. Some of us have a memory, and we have a memory. As soon as that memory comes to mind, it triggers. It triggers either fear, anger, escapism, whatever it is. And we all have these triggers. Some people have a certain 
Even a smell can trigger them or a situation. What are your triggers that cause you to panic? Think about it and don't get panicked, all right? (laughs) As you think about it, don't get panicked. But all of us have a panic trigger. And that's what these Israelites, after 40 days of day after day hearing these threats, they finally were reacting automatically by running every time, by panicking every time they heard this giant step forward. You know what? That trigger that you have, that is your Goliath. That is your Goliath. And it's time for you to stand up like David and start walking towards your trigger, towards your Goliath and saying, enough is enough. You're not going to control my life anymore. I'm not going to have an anxiety or panic attack every time I have this thought or memory or somebody says something or I see something. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to start standing up to my enemy and I'm going to start being victorious like David was was victorious. Praise God. That's your Goliath. It's time for you start to start overcoming your Goliath today. Starting today. Now, in verse 25, the Israelites had uh, been saying, do you see this man that keeps coming out? How he, uh, he comes out to defy Israel. And I want you to make a, just a mental note right here of, uh, of how the Israelites saw this. That Goliath is defying us. He's defying me. David saw things differently, as we will see in just a minute. So remember this. He has come to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him, and he will also give him his daughter in marriage. He will become part of the king's family and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Can you imagine never having to pay another tax in your life? No more sales tax. No more federal income tax. No more uh, FICA or FUTA, all right? No more, uh, no more property tax. Can you imagine? That would, hey, that might be worth signing up to go kill a Goliath. I can, I can do that. But I want to share with you something here. And I want you to listen closely. This is life-changing if you get this, all right? Victory is one thing, all right? God wants you to get the victory after the victory comes a reward, always. And the reward typically comes very, very quickly after you've gained a spiritual victory. We are always trying to get the reward without going through the victory. <laughs> we want the wealth. We want to become uh, tax exempt. But I sure don't want to have to kill Goliath first. I want to bypass the hard part and get to the good part. And oftentimes we will say the reward is the victory and we're flat out wrong about that. Flat out wrong about that. Healing is not so much the victory. That's the reward. There's a spiritual victory to be won before you receive your physical healing. Praise God. But we're always reaching for that healing. God, heal, my, heal me of this or heal my loved one of that. And God's saying, first, let's get the victory. First, let's get the victory. A lot of times we need a financial windfall, but that's not the victory. That's the reward. God wants, to, wants you to overcome the enemy that has impoverished you to begin with. We want this church, or I want this church, and I'm sure you do too. I want this church full of thirsty souls. 
That would be a reward. But you know what? We first got, we need to demolish the enemy who's preventing those souls from coming here in the first place. Don't confuse the reward for the victory. Let's seek God with all of our hearts. Let's seek God's kingdom and his righteousness first. And then all of these other things will be added to you as well. Praise God. I think that's something that needs to sink in. If you look at, there's tons of examples, especially in the Old Testament, where God defeated invading armies. In Jehoshaphat's time, for instance, there was these invading armies that were coming to him towards Jerusalem. And you know what? Once the victory was gained, the Bible says that God set ambushes and these people started killing each other and they ran away. It took Jehoshaphat and his armies three days to collect all the plunder that was left behind. You see, there was a reward, but first the victory had to come. In Elisha's time, the capital of Israel was Samaria. And, um, and this is a crazy story. There, the, the famine, there, the, this, these enemy armies had come and besieged Samaria. In other words, they'd encircled it. They weren't allowing anybody to come in or go out. No food. It was getting so bad that uh, cannibalism was actually occurring in Samaria. People were eating their infant babies. They're tragic. And, but there was four lepers that were in the city. And one night they said, they said to themselves, you know what? If we stay in the city, we're going to die. We may as well go out of the city at night and see if this, this army would at least give us some food. So they sneak out of the city. They get out there. They come to the first tent, and there's nobody in the tent. And so they eat because they're starving. They gather things, and then they go to the next tent, and they find there's nobody in that tent either. And they realize this army is gone. All these people are in the city thinking there's a besieging army around there, and there's nobody out here. The Lord had sent, I can't remember exactly the details, but the Lord had sent some kind of panic or something. And this army had fled, leaving everything else behind. And the next day, these lepers obviously went into the city and said, hey, there's nobody out here. The people came out and they, they ate to their satisfaction. The reward was there, but first came the spiritual victory. Same with David. He had to get through Goliath to receive this reward. So the reward is not the victory. We've got to get hungry for a victorious life. Stop seeking the reward so much. Say, God, give me victory in my thoughts. Give me victory in my temptations. Give me victory in my weaknesses. God, I want victory. And as you get the victory, God is going to give you reward after reward after reward. But seek the victory first and foremost. Now, here's some signs. If you want to know, am I a reward seeker or am I a victory seeker? Here's some questions that might sound like you. They certainly sound like me. That's why I can write these things up here, because this sounds like me. All right? If I'm just looking for the reward and forgetting about Goliath, I'm I'm going to tell myself, when is this problem ever going to be over with? (laughs) Is that you? That's me. All right? I am so tired of dealing with this problem. Well, that puts you and me in the category of reward seekers and not victory seekers. Another question we'll tend to ask ourselves is, why are you letting this happen to me, God? I thought you loved me. (laughs) And God's saying, I do love you. I want you to experience victory, though. 
I want you to be with me and experience in victory. There were rewards there. I'm going to take care of you, my child, but I want you to start seeking spiritual victory. A third question might be, can't you just make it happen? In other words, the reward happen. Can't you just make it happen? I thought you were all powerful, God. Why is, why is nothing going on here? I'll tell you what, it's time for us as Christians to start seeking spiritual victory in prayer, in fasting, in study of the word, in coming to church and gathering together for not just here, but in discipleship on Wednesday night. You are going to begin to experience victory like you've never experienced it before. And God's going to open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing in your life, you're not going to be able to contain it all. Why? Because you've gotten the victory that God wants to give you. Does that make sense? All right, man, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. It's eye-opening. Verse, if I can read this, 26, I think we're in. Yes, 26. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Now look at these words. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, this godless person, this godless entity, that he should defy the armies of the living God. Instead of saying, he's defying me, he's defying us, he's defying my nationality, he's defying my ethnicity, he said, no, he's defying the armies of the living God. I'm taking myself out of the equation. I'm not taking this personal. But you know who is, is going to take this personal? It's God. Because the attack is on God. The attack is on me, yes, as well. But guess what? My enemies are God's enemies. And when I start realizing (laughs) that the enemy is not only attacking me, he's trying to attack my father, guess what? My father is not going to put up with that any longer. Praise God. He's not defying me. He's defying my father. David saw things very differently. You know? And, and it, it gave him courage. When you start realizing, hey, this doubt, this fear, this situation is trying to come against God, God isn't going to put up with that. That gives you courage. All of a sudden, you become a little bit braver because it's not just you being pinpointed. It's the, it's the hosts of heaven, the Lord of hosts who has been targeted here. And I'll tell you what, the best way, if you want to really upset me, all right, you really want to take me off, you're going you're gonna to do something to my kids. You're not going to do anything to me. I'll take it. I'm fine. You can, you can say things bad. You can try, try to do, do something bad to me. I'll be fine. But you do something to my kids, you know, any mother, any father, any grandparent feels that way. That's how God feels as well. And the enemy is trying to oppress God by oppressing God's children. And God isn't going to put up with that. He's going to come to your defense and, and so you need to stop feeling like a victim and feeling like you're cornered. You've got God in your corner. You've got God in your corner. And that's what David, that's what made David so brave. He said, hey, this isn't about me. This is about God. And that's what made David so courageous and so brave. When your enemies are God's enemies, you're going to start beating them. You're going to start beating the things that have been beating you for so long you're going to start beating them. Verse 27, they repeated to him, after he'd asked this question that he already knew the answer to, (laughs) they repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him, who is victorious. 
Now look at this. This is what happens. As soon as you make up your mind to start living a victorious life, you are gonna, you're going to find opposition somewhere, somehow, from somebody. And it's going to come from a shocking place. But here, David's oldest brother heard him speaking to the men. And David's oldest brother, whose name was Eliab, burned with anger at David. And he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. All right? Here's somebody that's, close, somebody that's supposed to be supportive. Somebody who's supposed to be close. Somebody who's supposed to be on your side. All of a sudden, you find them opposing you because you're starting to get the victory. You're going to be told you can't do it. It's impossible because here in just a few, a few scriptures further, we see him appear before Saul, and Saul says, you can't do it. You're too young. This guy has been training for war since he was a young guy. You can't do it. You are going to hear that from yourself. You're going to hear that from people that are close to you. You're going to hear that possibly from a mentor. But you know what? If God's told you you can do it, you can do it. You say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm not going to put up with these voices. I'm not going to put up with this negativity, these lies, these threats, this danger. No, no, no. My God is on my side, and we're, I'm going to do what he tells me I can do. Praise God. I tell you what. So what does David do? He says, now what have I done? <laughs> can I even speak? And then he turned away. Do you see that? When you hear lies, and I'm talking to myself right now, all right? This is like preaching to me. When you hear lies, you turn away from the lies. You turn away from them. You don't listen to them anymore. But he brings up the same matter, and the men answered, to him, answered him as before. David, now look at this. What David was, was overheard, excuse me, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. And Saul sent for him. I'll tell you what, as soon as there's a brave person, and every person in this room should be a brave, courageous person, God isn't so much worried about what you do, he's worried about how you are to be. He didn't tell Joshua what to do at first, he just told him how to be, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, and God's telling you right now how to be how to be. And when you do that, word is going to start getting around. People are going to come to you for encouragement. And to whom much is given, much is required. Be ready to encourage somebody. Be ready to exhort somebody. Be ready to kick them in the tail a little bit and get them going, get them moving. God wants to use you. And if you're brave and courageous, word is going to get around just as it did with David. He was sent uh, to, to talk to Saul. And so David's, he's brought in before the king. Isn't that amazing? Your courage, your, your bravery is going to eclipse how small you are, how, in, you know, how unnoticed you might be, unknown you might be, and God is going to bring you into amazing places of influence for his namesake, not for yours. Who cares if we become anything? It's so that the knowledge of God may be known everywhere we go. So David says to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant, David. 
I'm going to go and I'm going to fight him. <laughs> and I tell you what, it's time to be a person of great faith. At the beginning of this year, I'll never forget hearing those words as I prayed. I felt the Lord telling me those very words. Be a man of great faith. He didn't say be a great man of faith. He said be a man, an ordinary man, an ordinary person, but have extraordinary faith extraordinary faith. Here's David. He was an ordinary guy, even less than ordinary. And God said, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in him. Now, this is a curious thing, a little bit of a rabbit trail here, but, but hear me out. If you want more love in your heart, what do you do? Well, I do at least. I go to God and I say, give me more love. Give me more love. He's the source of love. Give me more love. If I'm missing hope, in my life, then I go to God, and I, I don't try to stir up more hope inside. I say, God, you're the source of all hope. Give me more hope in my heart. I find it interesting that I rarely go to God and say, give me more faith, though. And I tend to think that faith is something that grows within me, and that seems biblical. I think there's plenty of support for that. It grows within me. But I think we need to go to God similar to love and hope and say, God, give me more faith. Pour more faith into my heart. Let me be a person of great, humongous, big faith. Because we know the Bible says, according to your faith, it's going to be done unto you. So you have a little faith, you're going to only have a little results. But if you have great faith, you're going to have great victory and results in your life. So, as I mentioned, all of us have a little bit of David, a lot of Israel in us. <laughs> it's time to give us a lot more focus to David and a lot less, if any, focus to this other side of us. Let David in you stand out. Step out and let all your fear start shrinking back. Let it run away so that you can be left a strong, powerful man or woman of God. Praise God. That's why in Mark eleven twenty two, I love, Jesus says this. I've memorized these couple of verses. How many, who's, who's a horrible memorizer? Anybody here is a horrible memorizer? I'm waving my hand. I'm a terrible memorizer, but I still try. All right, I still try to do it. Don't give up. I, I hear people say, I don't read the Bible because I can't retain what I read. Give me a break. Stop using silly excuses, all right? Take out your Bible. Read it most every day. Most every day. All right, but look, Mark eleven twenty two. it says, have faith in God. Put your faith in God. Man, every day, put, all right, Jesus, I don't have much faith. Well, put the little bit of faith that you have in God, on God. Stand on that big old huge rock that Jesus is and say, you know what? If he doesn't shake, I'm not going to shake either. If he doesn't tremble, I'm not going to tremble either. I'm going to put my faith in God. 1 John 5, 4, uh, talking about faith and then victory. Look at this, 1 John 5, 4, it says, For everyone born of God, who here is born of God? Anybody? If you're born of God, man, I tell you, you better raise your hand if you are born of God. Come on, people. All right, let me see those hands. You're born of God. It says, you have overcome the world. You are more, you're already more than a conqueror. You just haven't exercised it yet. You're born of God. 
All right. This is the victory that's overcome the world. What? Even our faith. Even our faith, our faith in God. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, if you've been in church a long time, you've heard this, but listen to it in the Amplified Version. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. That's what God has given you. Would you take it? Would you say, you know what, I'm going to start being, I'm going to channel my inner David, <laughs> so to speak, man. I am, I'm going to start being the man or woman that I need to be, and I am going to start applying what 2 Timothy 1.7 says about me, and I'm going to start speaking it to myself. I'm going to remind myself of it. I'm going to memorize this scripture, and when I start feeling fear, I'm going to look back, and I'm going to see all my fears shrinking back. Run away. Go, go. Get away from me. <laughs> That's all right for you to run, but me as David is going to stand right here, tall and strong, courageous, brave. Praise God. Well, Saul, of course, he, he, he's what a wonderful mentor Saul was to David. <laughs> he, he replied, you are not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You're, you're only a young man, you've, you've been, but he's been a warrior from his youth. You know what? Our faith is going to be put into question. It's going to be tested uh, our motives are going to be questioned by people. Uh, you know what? But you got to figure out, do you want the victory or not? Are you going to let people limit you? Are you going to let your own thoughts limit you? Are you going to let, there's some people who have dead loved ones that they still hear their expectations reaching, I don't mean to scary, be scarier, but reaching out of the grave and trying to pull you back down again. Don't listen to that voice either. Praise God, you were, you were unlimited. The Bible, Jesus said, there will be nothing impossible for you. Nothing impossible for you. Praise God. But David said to Saul, sometimes you just got to confront the naysayers, the negative talk directly head on. He says, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came out and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. <laughs> Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this ungodly, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Not because he defied me. He has defied God and defying a child of God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine as well. Have you had any victories in your life? I hope so. Start remembering the victories of your life and say, hey, if God did it one time, he can do it two times. If he did it five times, he can do it ten times. If he did it a hundred times, he can do it a thousand times. My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And victory is mine today just as it was a week ago when I was feeling really happy and up, upbeat. All right? Praise God. So... You've got to win your, your own victories, though. Listen to this. You've got to win your own victories before you can start winning the victories of others. David was out there by himself, you know, so theoretically defending himself. But now it was time for him to go and defend the armies of the living God. Now, see, a lot of times we want to pray for that, 
child or that loved one, and, and we, we can't seem to get the victory for them. You know why? Because you haven't gotten the victory for yourself yet. It's time to start getting the victory for yourself. That, now, I'm not saying don't pray for loved ones. Don't, don't try to take care of somebody. But realize you need to gain some victories for yourself before you can start being victorious on behalf of other people. Let's pray. Let's pray.